Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Hello and welcome back to Riverside Online and welcome back to our Emerge series uh, that we've been doing over the past few weeks. We hope you found this series encouraging and helpful. I thought, as now we're on week five, I thought it'd be a good time to do a quick recap over the past four weeks and just quickly look at the topics we've covered as we've begun this series. In the first week, we looked at this whole idea of rehabilitation. We've all been in lockdown, we've all been sort of been isolated from friends and family and work colleagues, and we talked about how intentional habits of spirituality could help us put capacity back into our lives and help transform us and be the best we can be for other people. Then we looked at paying attention to grief and loss, uh, learning not to bury our feelings alive, but instead to pay attention to them, uh, to take them to God and to process them. And in doing so, helping us to become more compassionate people towards one another. And then we looked at God in the mystery and how COVID has shaken our illusion of control that we have. And it's given us the opportunity to learn and go deeper with God and really to lean into the unknown with God, the unknown of the future, uh, the unknown of what may happen post-COVID. And we talked about how God wants to meet us in a deeper way in the mysteries of life. And then we talked about emerging in community, how we've all been out of the social gym uh, for a long time and we need to exercise those relationship muscles again to bring us back into community. And we explored how Something as simple as inviting someone for a coffee or asking someone for a meal really helps to deepen and build stronger communities. And our purpose with this series, as we talked about before, is to help us to process what's happened during COVID and prepare us for the future. These have all been great talks, and if you've missed any of them, you can catch them on our YouTube channel, as always, or you can listen to the audio through podcasts or drop onto our website and listen to the talks from there, riversideuk.org. Well, today I want to talk about the transition period that we find ourselves in as we come out of COVID into essentially what's been called the new normal. And this talk I've called Trusting in Transition. I think most of us are aware that any significant change in our lives does bring about some form of challenge. Back in November 2015, Riverside Church was preparing to move from its original building, which it had occupied since 1935 uh, in Northwood Road, preparing to move into what is our new home here at the Riverside site, which is a refurbished factory complex. And this significant change was obviously bringing challenge with it. And back at that time, we looked at this helpful diagram, which we called the change cycle. And in 2015, the changes we were experiencing were brought on by the health and growth of the church. These were positive forces that were bringing about the need for change. And we needed a new facility that could accommodate all that God was doing uh, in us and through us. And so even though the change was challenging, the, 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 the forces that bring that change about were positive. And, uh, and that was back in 2015. In 2020, we faced a new negative agent of change in the form of the COVID virus. And this came and caused massive damage to society, massive disruption to society. 
And so the two different forces of change, both bringing change, both bringing challenge. But however change comes, if you're a follower of Jesus, change and challenge brings an opportunity to build a deeper trust, a deeper trust in God. And it's this trust I want to focus on today. In the book of Acts, in our Bibles, we read about the the early church, how it was formed, how it started, how the gospel message got out to various parts of the world after Jesus' death and resurrection. And in chapter 14 in Acts, we find Paul and Barnabas travelling around what is now modern-day Turkey, telling people the good news of Jesus, that Jesus had come to reconcile people back to the love of God. And as a result of this message, people were coming to believe on Jesus. They were, they were, churches were being planted. Things were happening. And uh, Paul and Barnabas were commissioning people to lead these new churches. And it says this in Acts 14.23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And in this passage, we find this tiny phrase, which I find really interesting. It says, in whom they had put their trust. These people had been introduced to Jesus through Paul and Barnabas sharing the gospel, the good news, the good news of God's love and the good news that Jesus could reconcile people back to that love. And they'd heard this message and they believed. They believed in this person of Jesus Christ. And your modern Bible says there, they put their trust in Jesus but in the, in the original language that Luke would have written the book of Acts in, he uses a word which is much stronger. They didn't just believe in Jesus, they believed on Jesus, the original word. That's what it means. They believed on the person of Jesus Christ. And this concept of believing on something isn't something that we're very familiar with. Any of you recognise this building? Well, this is the uh, CN Tower in Toronto and the CN Tower was the highest building in the world when it was constructed in 1975. It was 1,815 feet high and it kept that title of being the highest building right up until 2010. It's now dropped to the ninth highest building in the world which shows how preoccupied we are with building very tall buildings but it's a very very high building and I had the chance to visit the CN Tower back in 1994 when I went to visit the vineyard that was based in Toronto. At the time, the CN Tower wasn't only the world's highest building, it was also the first building to have one of these. And this is a a glass floor. This floor was only opened in June 1994, so when I encountered this glass floor, it was still very new. And as far as I was concerned, maybe a little bit too new. And despite the CN Tower staff saying things like you can jump on it, it won't break, it's incredibly strong, when when your mind sees a piece of glass being used as a floor at a thousand feet high, your mind just screams no. It just says no, that's that's, that's not the right thing to have there, that's not the right thing to go and stand on. One of the friends I was with decided the best way to approach this glass floor was just to to deny its existence. So he sort of fixed his eyes on a far wall, looked straight ahead and sort of marched across the floor, refusing to look down. And when he got to the other side, he kind of said, yeah, I've done it. And I thought, yeah, you've kind of done it, but you haven't really 
done it, have you? I wanted to really experience what it felt like to walk out on that glass. So after taking a few moments to compose myself, I did just that. I walked out on the glass, I stopped in the middle, and I looked down between my toes, just as the person who took this photo did. And it was amazing. The buildings, the people, and the cars, tiny, tiny forms a thousand feet below. It was thrilling. My trust in the words of the CN Tower staff had become trust on as I walked out on that glass floor. My trust could have just stayed as an in-trust. I could have agreed with every fact that the CN Tower staff were sharing me with. They said it'll take the weight of 35 moose. And I thought, well, how does that help? I mean, some, some moose isn't very heavy. Chocolate moose, what does that weigh? And how do they get 35 moose up in the lift to even test that floor can take 35 moose? I mean, these things weren't helpful. I could have listened to all these amazing facts about how strong the floor was. I could have watched other people walk over the floor and give them admiring glances and thumbs up, you know, well done, you've done it. I could have believed all the facts that were on the walls about how the glass was constructed and how the floor was constructed and how it was load tested and how strong it was. And I could have thought about all the people who had already walked over that floor and been perfectly safe. All this theory I could have just held and agreed with. But it wasn't until I chose to walk out on that floor that my, my trust had an expression. It became personal. It became real. You see, to have trust on something, you have to put skin in the game. You have to put yourself in the position. You have to step out in something. I had to take the risk of walking out on that glass floor, a thousand feet up, trusting it wouldn't break and send me plummeting to a certain death. I had to trust on that floor. I couldn't just trust in it. By now, tens of thousands of visitors have walked over that glass floor. I'm sure many of them, when they first see it, they experience that anxiety and pang of self-preservation and their mind says, no, 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 no. But those that choose to step out on that floor, they experience something truly liberating and truly exhilarating. They get to experience what it's like to stand a thousand foot up and look between your toes straight down. And they get to experience something because they trust on something rather than just trusting in it. In the book of Acts, those first century believers that Paul and Barnabas were commissioning to lead those early churches, they had moved from just accepting that Jesus was real to deciding to entrust their whole lives to him. People have all sorts of thoughts, I think, and ideas around what Christianity is, but I think it can be expressed in this very simple essence that followers of Jesus, Christians, are people who fully trust on a person. They fully trust on an individual, and that person is Jesus Christ. And as we emerge from COVID, it's a great time to reflect and think about where do we put the trust in our lives? I've come up with this idea of a trust audit, and let's have a quick look at this, uh, this table on the screens now. Down the left-hand side, I've listed different areas of our lives that we can reflect on as we think about trust. 
And this isn't an exhaustive list, it's just some thoughts I came up with as I jotted them down. You could add your own thoughts and areas uh, as you think about this whole concept of trust. And across the top I've put where you might place your trust for these different areas. I thought about you might trust yourself, you might trust someone else, you might trust something else, or you might put your trust in God. So let's go down this table and have a few thoughts about it. The first area, identity. If you're a follower of Jesus, you may be confident to trust in God with your identity. So I've just put a little tick in that box there. You're happy to trust God about who you are and where your identity lies. But equally, you might struggle to secure and trust your identity into God. You might get your identity from other things. You might find them in something else or someone else. The next line asks, who do you trust to look after your family? You might feel this all rests upon you. You know, it rests upon your shoulders to ensure your family is secure and safe and looked after. You might find actually, now that's where you place your trust as regards to your close family. And then your wider relationships, as you think about, you know, how are they sustained, how are they maintained? You might decide that actually you have to be a certain person, act a certain way to maintain those relationships, to, to allow people to like you. And then thinking about your sense of security. What makes you feel safe? What do you trust to give you that sense of safety and security? Does another person or another thing do that for you? And then as you think about your significance, where does your sense of self-worth come from? What do you trust that to? What, what do you look to to give you that sense of significance. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a skill, maybe it's a role that you do. And who do you trust with your stuff? You know, your money, your possessions. Maybe you, you think the only person that's qualified to, to look after your stuff is yourself. You know, you, you, you've earned it, you've accumulated it. The only person that's really qualified to trust with that stuff is you, and so that's where it stays. And we can go on and think about areas of like your health, and your future, I mean, these are very significant areas to think about. You know, where is my trust at this time as we emerge from COVID? Where is my trust for my future, my health? And I said before, you can add on different areas as you think about and do this exercise yourself. Now, the key thing to understand that this test, sorry, this trust audit isn't a test. It's not supposed to be something that we pass or fail. It's simply a tool that we're using to help us reflect on and think about where does the trust lie in different areas of my life. We're all inherently good, I think, at segmenting our lives and just chopping our lives into pieces. It's part of that, the culture that we're raising, the way we think. We, we, we segregate and we divide quite easily in our lives and our thinking. And if you're raised a committed Christian, you might have grown up in trusting most or all of the areas of your life to God. As you grew and, and grew in that faith, you were quite happy to release areas of trust. If you've come to God later on in life, you may have received God in certain areas, but not felt able to trust or invite him in to other areas. You may have compartmentalized your trust in God into areas like your personal life or your family life, but you may struggle to incorporate God into things like your work life. Or, or, or your security, or your finances. To believe on Jesus as those early disciples did, that we've talked about in the book of Acts, 
means to move all areas of our life towards trust in God. How do we do that? How do we grow in trusting God in all areas of our life, particularly at this time of significant transition that we're in? Well, I've just got a few simple thoughts here to think about. I think the first way we grow in trusting God is that we're honest. Be honest. Be honest about where your trust lies. You aren't going to surprise God or upset God by admitting that for you or for me, certainly as in my life, I don't fully trust to God. I haven't made that transition yet in trust. The idea of doing an exercise like this order is we can be honest with ourselves and honest before God. And that's a great place to start. So it's not a fail or a pass. What we're saying, this is simply where I'm at in terms of where my trust lies. The second step we can then do is we can invite God in. We can come aside with God and we can pray and we can, we can express uh, what we found out as we've taken this little audit. And you might pray something like, Jesus, you know that I struggle to trust you uh, in this area. I struggle to trust you maybe uh, with my security, my future. I, I worry about the unknown. I worry about what might come. I worry about how my circumstances might change. And I, I struggle to trust that you have my future in your hands, that you love me and care for me. So God, I want to simply ask that you'd help me in this area. I ask that you give me your peace and your love. I receive that fresh today. And help me to grow in trust in this area. Just a simple prayer of invitation like that, an expression of, of a desire to move your trust towards God is a really powerful thing to do. When we, when we pray in this way, when we choose to invite God in, we're moving our direction of trust towards him. We're setting a direction of travel towards God. And that's really, really helpful. And after we've invited God in, the third thing we can do is we can move our in to on. To help move our trust from in to on God, we can take little steps. Just like I did when I chose to step out on that glass floor in the CN Tower. You can take a little step that expresses your desire to trust God more in a certain area. Let's imagine you've always struggled to trust God in the area of finance. You've, you've You've had an underlying fear of lack or maybe you've, you've felt that if I, if I give away, I might not have enough for me or my family. You could take a small step by saying, God, I want to choose to give away a small amount. And then I want to watch what happens. I want to see the fruits of that action. And so what you're doing is you're putting some skin in the game. You're choosing to move your trust to an action, to an expression. And as you do that, God comes in behind that action and will deepen that trust for you. You might have never thought about inviting God into your workplace. That might have been a, a segmented part of your life you'd never thought about God being part of. Where well, you could do simple things like you could pray on your way to work. You could commit to your day to God. When you're at work, you could be praying for your work colleagues, asking God how you might bless them in prayer. You might even ask God for an opportunity to share his love with them in some way. It might be a practical act. It might be a conversation. But all these are taking little steps that express your trust. They're moving your in to on. You're moving out into this new area of faith and trust. And those steps reinforce and grow and deepen your trust in God. And all the time, what you're doing is you're reinforcing this direction of travel. This direction of travel away from yourself, away from other things and other people, 
towards trusting in God in all areas of your life. And it's the same if you're just starting out with Jesus. You might be watching this and you might be very young in terms of your journey of faith and and figuring out who Jesus is. And you might be way off feeling like you can give a full 100% yes to Jesus. And that's okay. You can just come aside and say, God, I'm struggling to trust you. I'm struggling to trust you with a whole variety of areas and unknowns. But I, I want you to know that. And I want to express a little bit of trust in this way towards you. I want to take a small step in this way towards you. I want to give a a yes in this area of my life towards you. And that's all great. When the disciples first followed Jesus, they began a journey with him. Jesus didn't sit them down and give them a test. They had to pass before they followed him. He wasn't looking for yeses in every area of their life. He was simply saying, will you begin to follow me? Will you begin to go this direction? And so you can do that today. You can say, God, I'm way off fully trusting you, but I want to take a step towards you and express that to God. So in summary, we've said that change brings challenge. And that challenge is an opportunity to deepen our trust in God. As we grow in trust, we also then grow in maturity. Following Jesus is a journey of trust, a journey of faith. And as we As we follow him, we express our trust in different ways that we we orientate our lives. Our trust is expressed as we choose to do things differently because we're following the person of Jesus. And as we do this, we grow up in God. We grow up in our knowledge of God. We grow up in our relationship of God. Following Jesus is an apprenticeship. It's a practical thing. It's not a theoretical or an intellectual exercise. It's 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 an apprenticeship that we do. We walk out with Jesus and we grow in faith and we grow in trust. And to grow in trust, we have to kind of let go of one thing and take hold of something else. A little bit like the trapeze artist in this picture on the screen. We'd all love to be able to hold on to one thing and then reach out and hold on to the other and feel secure in that transition rather than crossing the space like these trapeze artists are doing. But the journey of faith means we have to let go of one thing before we take hold of another. That's, that's the way faith works. We step into that gap with God and God. we meet God there and we take hold of him in faith and we, our, our trust is deepened. Jesus lived a life of faith. He modelled faith to us. He went to the cross in faith. He was resurrected in faith. All the time he was trusting in the love of his heavenly father. And God is calling us into a deepened life of faith and trust. And so what is God asking you to let go of today so you can take hold of more of his love, so you can deepen your trust in him in an area of your life? Take the trust audit. Think about the different areas of your life. Where is my trust lying, God? How can I be honest about those things? How can I invite you in? And how can I take small steps to express and move my trust from just being in to on, to fully believing on the person of Jesus Christ. So let's pray and invite God into that process today. I sense for many of you, as you watch this, you know, God is stirring your heart. God is speaking to you. And don't ignore that voice. Don't ignore that prompting to the Holy Spirit. Don't rush away from this talk and then just get into the business of whatever you're doing next. 
take a few minutes just to say, God, I want to deepen my trust in you. I want to grow in trust. I want to mature. I want to use change and challenge as an opportunity to deepen my walk with you, to deepen my understanding of you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. God, how much do you want to show us that love? It's, a, it's your heart to, to reveal your love. It's just huge, God. And so, God, help us to let go of the things that we trust in, to take hold of more of your love, more of your grace. God, the Bible speaks of broken wells that we go to to try and slake our thirst, but actually you are the one place that we can come and really receive life and nourishment and, 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 and true living water. That's what you promised us. So, God, would you gently and graciously show us, Lord, as we come to you, how we can invite you in in greater measure and how we can deepen our trust in you. And we ask this in your precious, precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.